And if you think the Dark Saga lights up for the Ripper, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, that is Jeff, and we're talking about Iced Earth on this episode. Iced Earth. Which is not what they sound like at all. Yeah, I was going to say, you're way heavier than anything that they ever did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's weird because... We talk a lot about image and bands on this show, and like you look at Demon Hunter, right? Like the band doesn't live up to the image of the band. I kind of feel the same way about Ice to Earth because they're always on tour packages with bands that are like way heavier than they are. Yeah, because they're essentially Iron Maiden 2.0. I was expecting like a Skeleton Witch type situation here, and I did not get that. <laughs> no, I... I my first thought was Iron Maiden, and that's what we got. I mean, I was totally fine with it. <laughs> it's fine. We'll talk about it. Well, before we start talking about Iron Maiden is what we got, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in radio, so if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. It is a way for us to show up in podcast results, so if you like the show and you listen, give us a review. I don't care what it is. Just yeah, we even like three star reviews. We do. We love them all. We'll take it. We love our children equally. So we got a comment on Podbean. This is in regards to episode seventy, Arch Enemy. Nice hearing your guys' opinions on Arch Enemy's discography. I personally love them and their work, but I like hearing everyone's opinion. Nice work. That's from Melissa zero nine two seven. Well, thank you very much. We also got a tweet from Lesser of Two Equals. It looks like I'm going to be able to interview Arch Enemy in Reading this September. So this Fantastic. might be a fun listen to give me a little something to work with. I'd actually probably rather chat up Goat Whore, but maybe I can swing both. Well, you definitely need to swing both if you can. And if you can't, I mean, Goat Whore. Jeff, come on. Oh, Goat Whore is <laughs> the shit. I'm not Jeff, but I just had to say that. You have my shit that I left upstairs? Ooh. We're never going in that bathroom again. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so bad in there. So we got a tweet from AC, Alt-1, episode 68, Demon Hunter. Demon Hunter was able to get my attention, but never able to keep it. Welcome to our world. Always had a meh feeling about them. Good on you, Jeff, for admitting to liking shit. Trivium's Shogun. I'm not sure which is worse. That album of the silence in the snow, a discussion for another episode. Yeah, let's I, do it. Dude, I fucking love Trivium. I can't <laughs> help myself. Let's do it. Especially Shogun. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I can guarantee that we'll get that episode done in no, I like ascendancy three to too. six months from now. I like Ascendancy <laughs> as well. Don't you like Ascendancy? You got to at least tolerate that one. Well, I'm going to save it, man, because this is destined to happen now. Oh, okay, good. We have to do it. We don't have a choice now. Uh, are we going to do the killing joke? Maybe. Steven? Maybe. All it takes is one bad day. Yeah, if you guys haven't had a chance, we have a uh, very cool episode 
on Patreon about Stephen Mark Saros uh, band called The Unteachers. And uh, we're, we've turned to a bunch of fanboys because we like what real emo should sound like. We're talking about emo from like the 90s. And uh, if you like that kind of stuff, this is that you definitely want to check out that Patreon episode. Got an email from Jeremy Prince. So, Dan, I've made it through the Pig Destroyer, Death Clock, and Ghost. Heard you trash Mortification and Demon Hunter, though I actually agree with you as both. But you've gone too far. I'm listening to the He Is Legend episode. Oh, shit. And you crap on Dead Poetic. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you, Dan? New Medicines is one of the best albums ever, damn it. And one of my favorite vinyl releases in a while. I'm done. I'm out. I just can't with you. Parentheses. Can't wait to hear the next episode. Hell yes. <laughs> he had you hanging there for a second, didn't well, we he? We got you by the balls now. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have a lot of good things to say about that album, but uh, Taste the Red Hands is really good. But Jeremy, you do you, man. You do you. <laughs> so, Dan, tell me about Iced Earth. Well, I don't get to say this very much on the podcast, but Iced Earth is an American heavy metal slash power metal outfit that has put out a shit ton of albums. Eleven albums, I believe it is. Ooh. Isn't that the metal definition of a literal shit ton? 1990 is the first. And they've been around now. since 1984. That's a long ass time. Yeah, it is. 28 years. Were you alive in 1984 when the band was formed? It just it was I under was a different not name. alive. So this, so this entity known as Ice Earth that started as a different name has been around on this Earth, this Iced Earth, longer, longer than, than Dan, Dan has. We know I'm an old fart, so I've been around for it. Well, Jeff's like 96, so that's right. This record came out when you were like in what your early 70s. Yeah, so I, I just drink the blood of virgins. That's how I stay young. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, we talk about metal on this show, so there should be plenty of virgins for you to line <laughs> up. And oh, did I say that on the podcast? <laughs> Jennifer playfully wrestled okay, her friend to the anyway, ground. Okay. Moving oh. on from that shit. <laughs> Nineteen ninety, self-titled. Nineteen ninety, iced earth. Bitches. Yeah, well, now we moved on to other shit because this is well musically it's I actually really enjoyed it. Really? Vocally, I wanted to like rip out this fucker's windpipe. I couldn't stand it. Wouldn't that make the vocals better? <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> Jeff, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> okay, so I mean if I'm gonna do King Diamond. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at least going to do it well. <laughs> well, not, not these guys. They're like, let's see, how shitty can we do this? I'm um, going for that King Diamond thing. Sounds good, right? Well, I mean, it does when he does it. God, this is it's so bad. Yeah, like, I mean, I like the I like the music. Yeah, the music's really good. You know, Especially when you think about it, it's 1990. I mean, granted, it's still power metal, but I think it's on the cutting edge of power metal for 1990. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there weren't a lot of bands that were trying to sound like this. And that's the thing about Ice Earth that kind of got me off on the wrong foot. Because obviously, I'm, you know, like four years old. Obviously, I didn't buy this on day one. You mean in 1990, right? He's right. still four years old. <laughs> actually, actually, I was four years old in 1990. But I wasn't buying this or anything. I heard this band probably circa 2002, 2003, 
And they were always on like these tour packages with bands that were much more extreme than they were. So I got this impression of like Iced Earth must be this like badass thrash death metal type hybrid. And the band that I was thinking of was Skeleton Witch. <laughs> but Skeleton Witch, they are not. No, they're Iron Maiden 2.0. They are the new Iron Maiden, in case you were wondering. I wasn't aware we needed a new Iron Maiden. You don't. You don't need one. Especially not with this shit. Well, this album. And maybe the following. And then shit will get real. So, I mean, musically, it's fine. John Schaefer, who is kind of the mastermind behind Ice Earth. Again, very similar to Iron Maiden in that, you know, the guitar player does everything. However... There's this guy named Gene Adam on lead vocals. To call his vocals annoying is being really nice. He doesn't enunciate in like normal, enjoyable ways. He's trying to capture this like King Diamond type vocal that's not working for him. And it takes a record that's like basically thrash influenced power metal and makes it like not enjoyable. <laughs> Yeah, this guy's, his vocals just suck balls. Gene was with the band when they were still, because before they were Iced Earth, they were Purgatory. And Purgatory was in the local scene down in Florida for five, six years, I think, before. Before they were Iced Earth. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's not like the guy hasn't had time to, you know, sharpen his knives and you know, get everything on the up and up. It, but no, <laughs> this is I'm really not saying dude's not a great vocalist now. Like, I am. Like, maybe he is, but like... No, he's retired. Okay. Thank God. This is bad. It's really bad. I don't have, like, I mean, I don't say that too much on the podcast, like, straight up, like, make a definitive statement, but like, his vocals ruin this fucking record for me. Well, and, that's normally me saying that. Yeah, and the music is good. Like there's no there's no denying that. Like it's straight ahead, it's got cool it's got that metal gallop, it's got that got those thrash solos. You know, it's 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 intense, but again, when the dude starts singing, I'm just done. I'm just not into it. See, now I'm starting I'm starting to commiserate with you on where you were at with uh, Living Sacrifice. Yeah. Because I liked Iced Earth so much, I was able to discount the vocals enough to that I just didn't pay attention. Okay, fair enough. And and I, because I know that's how you treat non-existent to a certain extent. Is you're like, well, you know, I still love, you know, living sacrifice. I mean, I do too. The music's but, great, but yeah, the vocals leave a lot to be desired. Yeah, for it, sure. It, and it's much easier for you to listen to non-existent. Just how I feel like it's probably much easier for me to listen to the self-titled by Iced Earth. I would take non-existence vocals over this any day. <laughs> I, I don't think I'd go that far, personally. I mean, it wouldn't sound good over the record, but like, <laughs> neither does this shit. You know? Yeah, that but, weird high, high-pitched, like, King ah! Diamond shit. Ah! Like, I just... Hey, there's a crow in here. I can't do it, man. <laughs> like, I just... I'm not ah! into it, and I just don't <laughs> understand. Again, it's a quality control issue. Yeah. How many people listen to this and were like, this is good. Let's cut it. Enough people to... <laughs> Enough people for the band to continue, right? The first Iced Earth album is really a mixed bag. And there's a lot of really good shit to say about it. Like, it's got really cool melodic passages in it, which I like. I like the thrash sensibility that's in the early Iced Earth stuff that kind of disappears over the course of their career. 
They and got older. So, I mean, I, I appreciate that it's a heavy record, but that's about it. Like, this is when I want to listen to Ice Earth, this is not my first go to. Oh, it's not for me either, even though I, I, I'm fine with the album, even though I can't stand Gene's vocals. I, I, I can totally understand that because I. It's not the first album I pick out whenever I, I go and, and, and want to listen to them. Unlike Arch Enemy, who we just talked about, who made us suffer with a vocalist we didn't like for three albums, Gene's gone after this first record. And it's not really like, I don't think we need to really tell the story as to why. I think it pretty it's pretty obvious. So instead, they hired a guy named John Greeley for their follow-up record, 1992's Night of the Storm Rider. This is a step in the right direction. Vocals are better. They're not amazing, but they're better. Um, more orchestral. I kind of feel like you have to have that in a really good power metal album. Well, yeah, it's more gaudy. Whereas the first Ice Earth album was kind of bare bones. Like one of the things I complain about about it is that it sounds really thin and doesn't just drop. You know, like I feel like a album from a metal album from the '90s should. And it's not like Night of the Storm Rider drops, really. But it takes those more melodic elements, those more self-indulgent elements that you get from power metal, but it owns them. It says, yeah, this is this is the real Ice Earth. This record is ten times the record that the self-titled was. I think they definitely stuck to high fantasy on this one. Oh, yeah. Which was better because on the first Ice Earth album, there's like a song about getting stabbed in the subway in New York. Maybe that really happened to one and of them. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this shit? But whatever. You know, it's fine. Um, but, like, they sucked to High Fantasy, which is kind of a staple of power metal. And I just got to say this early in the episode is that, like, I like Iced Earth. I like the idea. More? Of Iced Earth. More than I like what I actually get. And that, that goes into something we talk about a lot on the show is just kind of, like, image versus reality. Iced Earth is a band that is, again, I hate to say it, trying to be Iron Maiden. In a lot of ways. So, you know, you can find a lot of lyrics based on literature. You can find a lot of, of stuff that's based in high fantasy, and that's totally fine. I, I like that stuff. But I just kind of feel like you have a group together of amazing musicians that don't really see eye to eye on a few core concepts. So what bugs me the most is that they're just kind of like, do, do we really want to say it? Do we want to say that they're kind of a B-grade power metal band and i say that because like i've been listening to two bands uh while listening to ice earth to kind of get myself in the mindset because power metal is not my go-to i think anybody that listens to the show there's not that's not going to be a surprise to them i think that there's kind of like a b-grade power metal band in comparison to like bands like blind guardian and there's this other band i listen to called divine fire which mixes like gothenburg death metal with power metal and to really good results and i don't feel like ice earth really hits that i think that they're kind of like like 10 or 15 years behind what was going on in metal at the time and maybe that was an intentional choice and that's totally fine you can play whatever you want to play but it doesn't mean that i'm gonna like totally be into it so like night of the storm rider is great or you know is is a great record Especially when compared to the pile of shit that was the self-titled. So they're definitely going in the right direction. But things get a little different when we get to their third album. 
Yeah, burnt offerings. Hang on, Jeff. Hang on, Jeff. The exorcist is coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, to a certain extent. I've been waiting all week to make that joke. <laughs> you know, they kind of, they are kind of possessed. They're frustrated. I mean, they are now dealing with what, unfortunately, a lot of bands have to deal with. And that is being unhappy with uh, the record-making process and the label and all that kind of jazz. I think it was also kind of a nobody giving a shit about what they were doing. It was sitting on the back burner. I mean, they, there was four years in between, and he was frustrated as hell. He was, and like it's frustrating because like the band essentially disappeared after Night of the Storm Rider. And I mean, I guess it's a good thing that they reappeared because they had made like the strongest impression on the metal scene prior to that. And so I get the frustration and the things that they probably had to go through in order to, to, to get this third record out. So that's whenever they, they, they show up in 1995. And they've recruited Matt Barlow, thank God. Again, a much stronger vocalist. This band is really good at vocalist upgrades. Yes. For the most part. For Me and Jeff part. are going to disagree on a few things later on, but... For the time being, Matt Barlow was absolutely the shit. So in Burnt Offerings, they pretty much abandoned the concept of being like a heavy band or being an extreme metal band. And I think that was a really good choice stylistically for them because Burnt Offerings is the best part of metal. It's a dark record, much darker than we had experienced on the previous two records. Which, again, were kind of bare-bones kind of records. Yeah, but it finds a way to be, I think, even though it's darker, it's still, it's also more beautiful. Joe was talking about the intro on Burn Offerings, and it's uh, it's actually a spoken word from uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> so Bram Stoker's Dracula. We heard you the first time. <laughs> well, I was saying it like I was Gary Oldman. <laughs> Burn Offerings is one of their best songs that ever I mean it's 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 probably top three as far as my favorite songs that uh, they've put out and you can't not talk about Dante's Inferno holy fucking shit 16 minutes plus badassery well it's Dante's Inferno yeah you have to do a minute for each layer (laughs) it is so good you know I got to this record, and I haven't listened to a lot of Iced Earth up until this week. But when I got to this album, I started to think of a band that I like that many people would also view as a mid-tier metal band. There is a group called Sabotage. Most people would know them. Or at least their their brainchild, the people that write all their shit, is also the group that started the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. But throughout the 80s, and a good portion of the 90s, they were releasing albums every year. And they had that fantasy thing, and it was kind of power metal. And I don't really have a reason why it was mid-tier. And I spent a lot of time listening to that band and trying to find the reason. And I don't know what it is about this band that on their third album, which is so far the best thing I've heard from them, it just sounds mid-tier. It doesn't sound 
like Iron Maiden. It sounds like somebody showed up to the party and Iron Maiden's in there and they're killing it. And they were like, all right, so check out what we got. Well, it's just not as good. And I'm using Iron Maiden as the example because they are the band that a lot of people say is the definitive power metal band. I think they are the definitive power metal band, but I wouldn't... This is not a second-tier release. It, it, this is this is the cream of the crop. One, it, it's one of my three favorite albums that they've put out. So I would I would definitely say this is this is a top-tier release. But there's just something about the band, something about the way it's presented. There's something here that is at an eight, and somebody heard it and said, "Leave it there." And nobody in the room said, well, you know, we could do that a little bit different, and it's all of a sudden a 9 or a 10. And I don't know what it is. I have the same problem listening to Sabotage. I can't tell you why this doesn't sound as grandiose as other bands. I don't know. Yeah, see, I have to strongly, especially on this release, I have to strongly disagree. This is fucking epic, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with Jeff on this one. I think this is the best record they put out yet. And to a lot of people, this is almost like the actual debut of Ice Earth. This was representative of what we were going to hear for the next three albums. I like Matt's delivery. I think he's equally powerful. Like, he's gruff and melodic when the situation calls for it. It might be a little cookie cutter, but it's so much better. Like, this is the first Ice Earth album that I listened to that I was like, okay, there's not something notably wrong with what would otherwise be a good record. This is the first time where I'm like, okay, I've got a little bit of that thrash, not as much as before, but I've got a little bit of that thrash, but the band is focused almost completely on melody, which gives them kind of that Iron Maiden edge. But they're still aggressive. It's still it's still fun to headbang to these songs and and and, and sing along to them and just really go. And uh, I, I loved this record because of that, and it was definitely like the highlight of my week of listening to the band. That I was like, okay, I can get behind this. Yeah, we're not surprised. I mean, it's definitely their darkest release, and that's that's their most metal. Yeah, that's it's their most metal release, uh, and it, they do it well. And it's one of those things like we've we've kind of talked about it before with Dream Theater, when Dream Theater does metal. We're like, holy shit, why don't they do more of this? And that's kind of, you know, there's times that I feel like that with uh, with Iced Earth. I'm like, I wish they would go back to doing this because they do it so well, in my opinion. This is, I can listen to this album all day long on repeat over and over and over again. Well, I think there's bored. some similarities to Arch Enemy here that have to be kind of like, not that they sound the same, but just that like, this is a band that picked a style and stuck to it they never really go off into the progressive metal territory when they do it's definitely the mixed results right and you know they're the ice earth is not dream theater they're not out to reinvent the wheel oh no it's not what i meant but i just meant you know whenever we talk about because when we talked with that episode with uh, john drake when dream theater was doing the the you know the the heavier side of things they did it really well and we just wish they did more of it and i i i feel that uh, a lot with Iced Earth too. I feel like they do this style, you know, better than they do anything else, for the most part. Yeah, I agree. And 
it was really interesting to see where they went from this because I thought this was great. And I was kind of hoping that this is going to be one of those bands that, like, I they would stick to a good thing and just ride it out throughout their career. But unfortunately, they didn't really do that. We get to the Dark Saga, which came out, you know, pretty close to... I mean, it was their most consistent as far as, like, actually, um, you know, having having a consistent sound and the records aren't sounding too similar. So you get the Dark Saga in 1996... About I'd, Spawn. I don't, yeah, I don't personally have an issue with a record that's about Spawn. That's awesome. However, it's kind of like a more watered-down sound. Like, how does a band like Ice Earth in 1996 playing power metal or traditional metal or whatever you want to call it, how do they really bridge the gap to the average listener? In their mind, it was to put this out. <laughs> Which was wrong. <laughs> Which was not a good call. It's got a lot of similarities to Burn Offerings. It's like the Burn Offerings like, B-sides. Uh, yeah, and I use this analogy a lot, and I hope it's connecting with people by now. It's kind of like you took Burn Offerings, if it was a glass of water, and poured that glass of water out on the floor. That's the Dark Saga. Like, it's got elements. It's got the same ingredients. But the end product is this kind of like very simplified, spread out, bare bones approach. It doesn't have the concentrated greatness that was Burn Offerings. It's instead this kind of more simplistic, dumbed down version. And I have a lot of trouble connecting with it, even though I do like the storyline. I like, I like, I've, everybody from the 90s loves Spawn. Right. I don't think there's any, <laughs> a, any dis- dissension here. No. And I hell, I even loved the the movie, yeah. With Michael Jai White and uh, he was fantastic. And I even like John Leguizamo in it. <laughs> but this one just kind of seems slow and boring, for lack of a better description. Because it was slow and boring. Yeah, it really was. Like and this he's got com- a great vocalist with a great band behind him. And this is coming from a Iced Earth fanboy telling you that it's slow and boring. It is. It's just not. You know. It was the hardest record to get through. Really? In my opinion. It wasn't the hardest for me, but it was definitely up there. And again, I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with it objectively. It's not like they're playing bad notes or that the production sucks or that the singer's not good or anything like that. Like they've they've got all those elements, but like I think I said this off air earlier that like it's a group of really good musicians that aren't gelling. And so you get a record like the Dark Saga, which is obviously trying to be burn offerings part two but it's like a shitty sequel versus like it you know it's like um it's like jaws 2 instead of you know the empire strikes back you know as far as sequels go and um it's an okay record i think a lot of people got into iced earth off of this one and i think that was partially due to the popularity of spawn at the time and that this was a band, this was their most modern lyrical concept they had jumped onto. So you mentioned that, and all I hear is the lead singer showed up with the story and said, we're going to write to this. Oh, no, the singers of Ice Earth have historically never really written the lyrics. Nope. John does essentially everything. He does everything. And so every, and John showed up with Spawn ride. and said, we're going to write to this. Pretty much. Yep. That's what it sounds like. Pretty much. He, he he bought some Spawn comic books and was like, we got to do this. <laughs> and 
And uh, it sounds about how you'd think. The band's like, well, okay. <laughs> so thrash, chunk, 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 thrash, chunk, chunk, chunk. It's not even thrash, though. Like, it's it's really dumbed down. Like it doesn't it doesn't have any kind of ball busting impact. Like I can't look at I can't look at the track listing and think of like this is the song that defines the record. It's just boring, slow bullshit. Yeah, it's it's pretentious. They think they're being important, but they're being boring. It's like when that guy is given a dissertation and, and he thinks he is like the most important person in the room and everybody's looking at their watch going, uh when can we leave? Right, no joke. Like it's like okay. I came here. I got my paycheck. What are we doing? What are we doing tomorrow? You know? Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, is that one of the most popular songs that they have is on this album. And it's I Died For You, which is okay. But I don't understand. I don't understand the airplay that it gets because it's definitely not one of my favorites. But that's just my personal opinion. Well, if you look at the timeline, 95 Born Offerings, 96, The Dark Saga. Obviously, there wasn't a whole lot of thought and dedication and time put into it. Like, Well, not necessarily. I mean, they had four years where they were... He was dormant. He was writing material that whole time. He just didn't didn't get to get any of it So you think that The Dark Saga existed in some form? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I truly believe that. I believe that he was writing this material, and I think he it was a conscious effort... To, to have something a little bit more uh, quote-unquote serious. This is the serious album. The other one was the angry album. Well, and is this one of the bands that, you know, you kind of start realizing that everything, every decision that's made is just one guy's opinion? Oh, it's totally that. You know, just one guy's vision for this great band that he wants to have together. Yeah, considering he's the only member consistent. I yes. mean, it's his yes. band. He really is. And, you know, I guess that's okay, but, yeah, I just wasn't impressed by the Dark Saga. Thank God the next record was Something Wicked This Way Comes. By the pricking of my thumbs. Which was a much better record. I might have to admit that this is my favorite Iced Earth album. I really, 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 really love this album. Well, it's more power. It's, it's like an actual power metal album. And I don't know if the band ever marketed themselves as power metal, really. Before this, I don't really think that they did. I think that was just a name that we threw on it. Because it was the only way I could really describe it at the time. Because, I mean, you could call it traditional heavy metal, but like Black Sabbath, this ain't. You know, Iron Maiden, this ain't. This is the first album that I look at and I go, that's Iced Earth. I mean, Burn, Burn, Burn Offerings is, is is a fantastic album, but this is the first album that I was like, okay, this is this is their style. This is who they are. This is quintessentially Iced Earth, and it's one of the few times that I'm actually going to say that my favorite song on an album is an instrumental, but it's fucking epic. Oh, 1776. Yeah. Oh my god. I was blasting the shit out out of that on July Fourth. Just oh yeah, smoking. I, I was smoking meat. Had some spare ribs going on the smoker. Blasting seventeen seventy six, and people around me are like, "What the hell is he doing?" I'm like, "I'm enjoying myself. That's what I'm doing." I did that uh, with the Glorious Burden, the whole album. Okay, you know, but we'll get to that later. But like, it's definitely a good instrumental. Sets the tone. Um, 
Iced Earth kind of a patriotic band. Yes, they are. And uh, you don't really see that much in metal. You see people that are very against the system. But you've got a band from America that's very American patriot, which I think is kind of unique considering the genre. Well, there's still parts of the system they definitely don't like, and they'll tell you about it. But they are he's very proud to be an American and to be lucky enough to be able to have his opinions without being persecuted for it. And he's not afraid to tell you that. Right. Which is it is kind of unusual because most people are not afraid to tell you about their opinions, but then they also tell you that they <laughs> they hate the system. Well, so this record is basically straight ahead. The songs aren't really connected to each other like we would get later on. Um, but the last three songs are notable in the sense that they begin what would become kind of Iced Earth signature and that they had basically created their own fantasy story yes, uh, called Something Wicked This Way Comes, which is basically like the base concept is that humans were not the first people to live on the earth and that there was this advanced society prior to humanity. You know, um, it's kind of generic stuff. Like I realize that you guys think you're super brilliant for coming up with this, but like, I mean, it's kind of been done before, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it hadn't been really done before with a power metal, you know, heavy metal hybrid from the nineties. So that they had that going for them. And I didn't think that this was too bad and that like it was a whole album, but it was like only three songs were connected to this storyline. So it was easy to get into and it was a lot of fun. But um, as we'll go on in their career, it kind of becomes a little bit of like, this is just the beginning of the self-indulgence that we are going to have to put ourselves through. (laughs) Yeah. Or as Dan is famously known for saying up their own ass. Oh, yeah. So the ass is strong with this one. So I, this is my <laughs> this is my favorite uh, of, of theirs. Where where does it rank for you guys? Because I know we both said Dan and I both said that Burn Offerings is well, it's his favorite and it's in, in my top three. I like Burn Offerings better, just from a like emotional personal perspective. But I think this record was a better step for the band as far as you know really selling what they were capable of doing on a record and I like the I like the faster pace I like that it was a, a heavier album than we had experienced from Ice Earth at this point the thrash elements start coming back in but they're they're kind of refined right and they're not like bare bones thrash it's kind of like the difference between like Creator and Megadeth you know like Creator was like a really aggressive thrash band that you know was really thin really bare bones you know, heavy stuff. You have a band like Megadeth that started off as somewhat more melodic in nature. And so now they're playing Megadeth thrash, whereas before they were playing creator thrash. And so is despite it maybe being good, if you're a huge thrash head, it wasn't as necessarily interesting to listen to as something like something wicked this way comes. And, uh, I thought that it was really, it was done well here and kind of reestablished them as a, you know, kind of a heavier band than what you necessarily would be used to because you got to think i mean this is the 90s so like they're playing traditional heavy metal or power metal in an era where you know the idea was that you need to be as heavy as possible all the time so like they're they're basically shirking death metal here they're shirking thrash metal for the most part 
they're really trying to stay as that band that's kind of outside of those circles and doesn't really fit into trends. And so I think in that they succeeded, especially with this record, because I think I think your average metalhead's going to listen to something wicked and think that, wow, this is great. You're correct. I want to check out more stuff for this band. Much like how Rust in Peace is the first Megadeth album I'm going to give anybody, this is the album I'm going to give somebody if they ask me who is Iced Earth. Absolutely. So now we're on to Horror Show. I like Horror Show, but it's only because I like horror movies. Oh, no, that can't be the only reason why you like Horror Show. Dan is like the ultimate death fanboy. So I think that might be part of it because this is the first album that's got Richard Christie. Who wants to talk about the connection? Uh, and, and Richard Steve. Christie. Yep. He's a goddamn and, and, yeah, god well, on earth. That's not the only connection we got. We also got uh, Steve DiGiorgio. So your band is two parts death. Yeah. <laughs> so you already know that Dan's going to love this album. I do love this album. I love the lyrical concepts. I like who's playing on it. Matt never fails to amaze me at how versatile he could become. Because on the Dark Saga, he sounded like, you know, like a goth singer, you know, like somebody that was always going to be dark and forlorn and hard to, you know, really connect with. But then you get to Horror Show, and it's kind of this, like, almost glammy, cheesy metal record about horror movies. Yeah, this is like a straight-ahead power metal album. Oh, yeah, and I love it. (laughs) <laughs> I love it because it doesn't give two shits about what it is. Calling me surprised because I was not expecting you to like this one. Oh, my God. I love this record because it's just pure cheese. And, and that, that's what I like about it. To me, this is what power metal bands should focus on. Is the cheese and the fun. Is the cheese and the fun. And we get that in spades here. But, oh, my God. Listen to those drums. <laughs> oh, performances that were way better than they had any... It really had any business being. A bulk of the writing on this album was done by Matt Barlow. Well, and you can tell that because it's not that finessed. Right. A lot of the shit is just like direct lifts from the horror movies that they're talking about, which is a little disappointing because I'm like, really, you didn't have some unique con- like unique perspective on this? No. I just really liked Bram Bram Stoker's Dracula, so (laughs) I just lifted my favorite lines from that movie, and that's the fucking song. I'm okay with that. Let's all go get paid. You know, I watch everything Gary Oldman's in, so I'm I'm down with that. Man of a thousand faces. Yeah, you know he 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 lost his own voice. Yep. He didn't even know he had actually go back to a vocal coach to figure out what he originally sounded like. But I think this record was just like bigger budget, bigger everything. It, it was arena rock, basically, in a time where you really couldn't sell it, you know. And uh, but I, I loved this record. I thought that this was a huge step in the right direction for Iced Earth. And I would have loved to hear albums, more albums from them, where they were just having fun. Unfortunately, the up your own ass kind of erupts. You know, later the ass erupts. Uh, you know, later <laughs> what on. What did you eat for dinner? Right. And um, I can't say this with a straight face, though, because like the follow up. Let's talk about a couple of things before we get there. Okay. First of all, Matt Barlow gone. Yes. This was right around the September 11th attacks. Yep. 
And this this band, as we know, is pretty patriotic. And Matt's no different. Matt's no different. He felt like, you know, he could do a little bit more for a good old USA than just uh, be the singer of Iced Earth. So he decided to leave the band and become involved heavily in law enforcement. Which, thank you for your service. Yep, appreciate that. that. That's, uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, of all walks of life wanted to, to do more after such a tragedy. So, you know, it just, you know, it made me appreciate him more that you're, here you are, you're a singer of a a band that tours, tours the world. Lots of people know who you are and you're like, yep, I'm going to give up the rock star lifestyle because I think that I can offer more than just that. Yeah, absolutely. That's, That's pretty fucking cool. It's respectable. So Matt's got real good since burnt offerings. Yes, he has. He was good on that record, but he was good on all the other ones, too. Where do you go from there? Uh, this it, is one of those, like, shit, we had a really great vocalist, and now he's gone. We got to get another really great vocalist in right now. We might go to my favorite living power metal vocalist. So who do you call? Tim the Ripper Owens. Tim the fucking Ripper Owens. <laughs> God, Ripper is such a beast. The one man who was qualified it's kind of like thor right like he who raises the hammer if he be worthy yeah (laughs) she'll inherit the power of thor well tim the ripper owens had been worthy and lifted the hammer the metal hammer and he inherited the powers of rob halford (laughs) it is kind of freaky like you know you hear him you know when he's with judas priest and you're like well you expect it there and then you listen to this, and you're like, holy fucking shit, he's still Rob. <laughs> okay, so patri- patriotic album. Yes. The Glorious Burden. Yes. Was this 2001 or 2002? Officially, 2004. Oh, that's right, 2004, yeah. right? Yeah, because, because Matt would have left in 2001 after September 11th. Okay, cool. Correct. Sorry, my timeline's a little fuzzy. No, it's okay. But, uh, yeah, so The Glorious Burden has maybe the most patriotic cover work that you will ever see on an album. I thought you were going to say cover song in the Star Spangled Banner's case. Oh, no. Well, yeah. But, like, the uh, the Glorious Burden Man is a really cool album. To quote Roach Coach, it is not respectful of our time. Clocking in at 78 fucking minutes. <laughs> and for guys, that it, okay, it's a good thing that it was good and that I enjoyed it. Because holy shit, with what we do on this podcast every week, I ain't got no time for 70-minute fucking albums. So I listened to this thing in its entirety on July 4th several times. Now, every single song isn't about the American Revolution, but there's yeah. a lot that are. Yeah, there's like Attila the Hun. And the, some other yeah, there's some Civil War stuff. There's a three-part song uh, about Gettysburg to uh, symbolize the three-day battle, you know. This record is about war. What's a better concept for a heavy metal record than war? Military history. This was interesting. Yeah. You know, I found it fun from a from a from a historical sense cuz I'm a history nerd. And I found it enjoyable from obviously from a vocal sense. It's Tim the fucking Ripper Owens. What do you want? You know, this was I I would say this is better than what Matt would have put down on this. Yes, I agree. Like a hundred percent. Like this is this is like you've got a next level vocalist. I had I had described them as a B level band. 
that now has an A-level singer. <laughs> and you know the funny thing is, and my well, at least in my opinion, this is the best Ripper has ever sounded. Was oh, he sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. 2004, modern for the time production. They really captured it, like big time. And that, that's what I love about this record is it's big time. Um, the song pace is faster. It's more thrashy. It's heavier. Um, Tim sings, screams, whatever you want to call it over this record and just owns it 100%. Um, I got a lot to say. The guitar solos are smoking. The riffs are sweet. They're memorable. Um, I had a lot of fun with this record. I got nothing bad to say about it. It's the best thing that I've heard since Burnt Offerings. And in, the, and in a completely different way. Right. Yeah, this is this is number two on my list. Yeah, so like it's because they, they kind of vary a little too much in their sound. Like they, It's almost like every album up to this point was just trying to redefine what the band was capable of. But this is uh, this is some deep roots shit, you know. This sounds like a professional band that's been doing it for years, and they can put out a top quality product like this, like it's nothing. And uh, I'm really surprised to hear the direction that it went after this, because for the most part, I mean, this is this is top level stuff, and probably the best ice, iced Earth ever got. Am I wrong? It's the. Um yeah, there's lots of peaks and valleys. I put this on par with uh, something wicked this way comes. I, th- I think they're on par with each other. Uh, but this is definitely one of their peaks. This is such a good album. And it's such a, you know, I think what I like most about it is it's such a vehicle for the, ri- for the Ripper. You know, there's, I think that's one of the things that even though John's kind of running the show, I think it's pretty fucking cool that he's like, you know what? fuck man and the Rippers singing this shit fucking it's gonna be whatever we can do to make the ripper sound good as long as he sings what i wrote <laughs> we're good yeah and it, he did yeah it's, with a vengeance god it's so sick i i don't know how the fuck he sings the way he does sometimes it's just unbelievable i mean even if you're not a a big power metal guy listen to this dude you're gonna go At this point, I would have appreciated hearing old Iced Earth albums re-recorded with the Ripper on vocals. They did that with Matt. Yes, they did. Not whole albums, but Pick and the choosing. best songs. Right. It was awesome. Yes, it was. And uh, you know, I got nothing bad to say about that. But so that was 2004. They've got the Ripper on. The Ripper was still in Judas Priest at the time. And um, basically... Rob Halford, I guess, called Judas Priest and was like, come on, pop us home. And so they're like, okay, great. Well, see you, Tim. And uh, then totally fine because Tim was like, okay, great. Well, I've got this backup band, Iced Earth, in my pocket, and I can just go back and do that. It was come almost like a Ronnie James Dio, Black Sabbath type of situation. And um, and that was totally cool. It's, it's kind of funny. You just mentioned my two of my favorite vocalists and their stories kind of have a similar path on how things work. All right. For them. Well, don't get excited. You know, <laughs> keep your pants on. I know. But, you know. It, yeah. I, I will take my pants off for the Dio episode. Very good. At least I'm not the only one. <laughs> 2007. Up your own ass much? God. Let me let me read you the title of this album. Framing Armageddon 
Something Wicked, Part 1. Wait, I thought Something Wicked This Way Comes. Already came. Yep. Oh. But but here it is again. So is this a re... re no. Imagining? No. no. It is an extension. Did, did we hire James Cameron to do a sequel? No. You know how I was talking about how like glass of water poured out on the floor? This, this is This is it. taking the glass of water and then going outside and getting the hose and deciding that the whole floor needs to fucking scrub down. And this record is... I get that whenever dude was writing it. Dude. Not dudes. Sitting down writing this and being like, holy shit. This is some next level shit. This is it, guys. This is what is going to propel us forward. We already have the best vocalist that we are capable of having. So he's going to sing this shit with conviction. He's going to love it. The concept was very well received. I don't care what style of music you play. If you do not play mambo, you cannot start your album out with a mambo and expect me to take you seriously. Well, the intro to the album is the best part of the album. Because I'm, Tito I'm, Puente could have played it on Saturday night? I'm getting prepped up, though. I'm getting psyched. Dude, the last two records have been great. This is going to be great, too. There's no reason to not think that going into it. It's pretentious. It's boring. It's up their own ass. I mean, it's it's whatever you want to call it. That's what it is. Because it's just... it. They think it's much better than what the rest of the world thinks it is. One hour, eight minutes. Fuck. No more Richard Christie, too, by the way. Richard Christie's gone. Yep. Bummer. Yep. We got a choir of Tim the Ripper Owens still. Does that count? Okay with that. I don't mind hearing the Ripper sing, but I want to hear him like it. I want to hear him love it. (laughs) And there's not a lot of love here. This is like, fuck. Okay, so you want me to sing this shit? I mean, I'll do it because I like money. Hey, Dan, can I have some money? This is okay. Like, his vocal delivery is serviceable for sure. This is one of the cases, though, where I'm like, you know, Matt Barlow might have done it better. I don't know if you can do a lot to redeem these songs. This is just long, convoluted bullshit about a concept that we're not, like... We're not into. Okay, so, like, Iron Maiden puts out Brave New World, and everybody goes fucking ape shit. What's the difference? It's if you're going to be a band that talks about literary topics or historical topics. The reason that is so important to a listener is because we already know at least a little bit about it. And so we're kind of plugged into the concept and it gives us something to be excited about. The three songs on Something Wicked, I don't feel like hat like do a good enough job of establishing a world and universe like a fantasy writer would do. Because that's essentially what they're trying to do here is create this world, this universe, this idea, this concept, and it's, like, not strong enough to last. You know, let's use a Tolkien reference because fuck you, power metal. So it's, like, too (laughs) much. It's, like, not enough butter spread over too much bread. It's, like, you don't have a compelling enough concept to stretch it over two fucking albums. You're going to call this thing part one? Why don't you wait a minute and see if, like, anybody likes it? Because you may not be willing to throw that part two out there just yet. Right. It, it's The term uh, is called buying in. We're not buying in. That's the problem. You know, obviously John bought in because he's the one that fucking wrote it. Right. But nobody else is buying in. And I think you can tell that in the vocal delivery. I and mean, that's why you're thinking, well, maybe Matt could do a better job. It's not... I don't know if Matt could have done a better job. It's just because... 
I don't think Tim was buying in. It's debatable. I mean, like this is the first album that I'm like, yeah, I think Matt might have sounded better on it, especially when you consider the next album, which we're not at yet. But like, I think he hadn't really bought into the concept. At least the Ripper didn't. And you know, I think that this could have been great, but it's just kind of convoluted with all these other elements that didn't really belong to the Ice Earth sound before. I always thought that Ice Earth was a good band at being kind of aggr- kind of aggressive but also including a lot of melody into what they did. And on this record, they do that, but like the melody is not like guitar driven like it had been on the previous records. And they've introduced all these other fucking elements into it to try to make it sound much grander than it really is. Like you look at a horror show and you're like, this is a cheesy, fun eighties movie kind of, kind of soundtrack. But like, it's like, okay, well we're going to take all those same cheesy elements from horror show and we're going to, we're going to play it straight like act as if this is like creating some sort of epic atmosphere and it comes off as cheesy which is fine if you feel like that's the intent but that don't feel like that was the intent i think they're obviously being serious this time around and i didn't like it that's the best way to put it i just didn't care for it i think they were looking for this massive grandiose thing and uh we just weren't impressed no not really and i didn't really have it like i don't have some kind of weird reason for feeling that way you know like i was totally on board on glorious burden so like this record had to be different like just i don't know like weird riffing with odd pauses that like i'm supposed to get excited about but i'm not (laughs) you know like that's just oh it bothers me so like i'm like okay well they fucked up here but you know maybe it's okay all right the crucible of man what you mean the crucible of man something wicked part two yep and i was like oh fuck Oh, it's still going on? Yep. Same shit. Different singer. Do we hire James Cameron this time? No. Well, so the Ripper's out and Matt's back because I guess law enforcement, you know, I don't know about what he did I think it was uh, from fan feedback, and I think those fans are stupid because Ripper. That's why. (laughs) Yeah, but this sucks. Oh, it's horrible. Like, more up its own ass than part one. Which I don't know how that's humanly possible, unless it like you went so far up your ass you came out. Well, here's a and glaring. Then you went back up your ass a, again. Here's a glaring example, though, because obviously these were recorded at the, like the same time, right? They had to have been because of how quickly they came out in succession. You know, this was 2008. Previous album was 2007. Recorded February through April of 2007. So come on, guys. Different singer. This, so this answers my question, right? Was Matt better than the Ripper with this concept, with these albums? Was he all in? Not really. I liked hearing him again. I'm not going to lie. I loved the album with, the, you know, the Glorious Burden with the Ripper. I thought that was really cool. But you got to think, like, Matt Barlow is what Iced Earth sounds like. The good Iced Earth. So, yeah, I could get behind this one. I mean, it's not a, it's not a steaming pile of shit by any stretch. I mean, I listen to black metal, so, like, I've heard albums that are steaming piles of shit. This isn't that, but it is very much like, I could listen to this, or I could listen to Tales from the Twilight World by Blind Guardian. I've got options. (laughs) You know? And, you know, you take an A-level band like Blind Guardian, and you compare it to this, and it's just like, I don't know where they're coming from. I'm not really on board with the concept anymore. I thought it was cool initially, but now it's just been shoved down my throat so much that I just 
I kind of want to hear you guys talk about different shit. Like, that's what I like about Iron Maiden-esque bands, is the sheer variety of topics that are covered. And this, it's just like, fuck, you guys are going on and on and on. Part of what made an album like The Glorious Burden so successful for me was the fact that it was about historical events that actually took place. So it was easy to get more emotionally connected to those. Because you could do your research. But here we're just, we're off in fucking elves and dragons and fantasy world. I mean, not necessarily those elements, but like, it was just, it was just too much. Too much non-relatable content. So this is generic fantasy story. Well, yeah, like you look at you look at a horror show, and it's like, yeah, that's kind of the same thing. It's cheesy, but like at least we've seen all those movies, right? You know, there's a certain connection to lyrical themes like this that doesn't carry over when you've gone completely off the map and you're trying to create your own content based on that. So yeah, sorry, I, I listened to it. I didn't care. You ready for dystopia? I am. Yep, I am too. Just not this one. Why, was there another band that put out an album called Dystopia? Megadeth. One that's got, you know, some mega death going on. <laughs> so I will say this. The nude singer, he's pretty. He's a beautiful man. Yes, he is. I could care less at this point. I think Stu sounds good. I think Dystopia was a more straight-ahead metal record with a new singer, with new energy, you know? Yeah, I'm not saying it was bad. Would just... like to hear Matt back for more than just one album that sucked balls. Yes, agree you know, with that. Total waste of a vocalist, in my opinion. I'm starting to think that the last two records were planned that way. Possible. I mean, it. I don't know. There had to be a point in the writing process where we were going to be super epic and... We're going to invite our old vocalist back to the second half because the fans are clamoring for that. But that doesn't explain why we've already moved on to the next guy. I don't know. Dystopia was like a more straight-ahead power metal record for me. Clock's in at 46 minutes. It gets the job done. It's, it's aggressive. It's fast. I like the singer, personally. I like the solos. I like that it just kind of hits me like a Judas Priest album or an Iron Maiden album where it's just... 46 minutes of uncompromising speed metal. I love that about it. And uh, I like that Stu's more aggressive than Matt was. I don't know if anybody's more aggressive than the Ripper, but, you know, uh, he does, Stu here does a really great job. Yeah, he's not bad. I My only frustration with this is the bookends of this album are still part of the Something wicked. I know. Uh, I know. It, I'm just like, okay. I'm, was this I'm the album that had the song it. about like zombies attacking a town? Like, I guess you wouldn't know, but um, <laughs> yeah, that you know, part there, there's like now we're not focusing on the on the something wicked concept totally, but now we're doing these little like weird, you know, like like your Rogue One or your Han Solo story of. Uh, of something wicked, and something wicked is not Star Wars. You oh, know? hold on, hold on. <laughs> I am not John Drake, so solo. And if you, if you piss me, if you piss me off, you could be. In Rogue One, <laughs> yeah, that's right. In Rogue One, those are way better than seven and eight could ever dream of being. That's not the argument that I'm making. The argument that I'm making is that this is not as compelling of a story to warrant side stories. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Like that, that's what I'm getting at with. I'm not going to debate Are, the Star know, Wars Jeff, movies with you tonight. Generic but. fantasy story is kind of like sports ball. You just 
kind of have to get it. <laughs> Is it like fantasy football? Oh. Ooh. All right. I got to ask you guys, did anybody, because I, I didn't hear it, the uh, the Trooper cover? Because I'm kind of curious now. I'm going to go find that. Because that was a, that was a uh, like DLC that was included in certain retail. That like wasn't Japanese. on their Tribute to the Gods covers record? I don't think so. Which had a, like a really bad version of Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath on it. Yeah. No, no. Because this one's got Stu singing. And I'm really curious to hear Stu do the Trooper. I just think the modern heaviness and the speed and the, the full on ahead of this record really saved it. Yeah. It didn't have the bogged down feeling that the last two records had. Like, I could just listen to this, enjoy it without having to really think about what the concept was. And, yeah, you know. this one isn't nearly as pretentious as the others. I mean, I know that's kind of my favorite word with some of this stuff, but it's true on this one. It It's like you said, it's more straight ahead. They, re I think he realized, well, fuck, I kind of lost. A <laughs> I wasn't losing fans because Ripper was on it instead of Matt. No, it was because I wrote shit. That's why we lost fans. So why don't I write something that's actually decent music and people will pay attention again? And lo and behold, better music, <laughs> more fans. How about that? 2014, Plagues of Babylon. Why is this record about something wicked again? Half Seriously. I know, I know, I know. Have you guys ever seen a movie called Frozen that has a song called Let It Go? <laughs> oh god <laughs> I would rather hear a cover of that song by Iced Earth than listen to another song about this fucking stupid concept like it's dragging the band down at this point like we talked about Dystopia like how that was a great record because it was simple I talked about how I liked Horror Show because it was just good fun this is taking yourself so damn seriously all the time well, you know, the interesting thing is that uh, John and Stu collaborate on everything on this album. Oh, yeah. They're best. They're, they're like the me and Jeff of power metal. They love each other. Yeah, they do, which but is cool. I, I like the fact that they that after all of these years that John finally has somebody that can be his because he needed that. Don't, don't say on the podcast. Okay, done. Okay. Sorry. My bad. Take that out. <laughs> yeah, just. I think that... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's too funny not to laugh at, though. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's better than the, what I was going to say. But it's like, what did I like about Dystopia? That it was 46 minutes long. It was a nice, longer drive-to-work type of album. And then you get you get to, to Plagues of Babylon, and you're back at 62 fucking minutes. And half of it's about something wicked, and it's like... So let's talk about generic fantasy story for a second. If we took all the songs off of the different albums and put them in one playlist and listened to them, would it be a good record? If the answer is no, drop it. I'll try it, but I don't think it. I don't think you. I don't think you're gonna like it. The answer is um, no. So you, you know. come to the studio and tell me I wrote another one, Joe. I'm gonna say, Dan, does it make the other ones sound better? No, drop it. No, and it's like I've already heard three different singers now talk about this fucking fantasy world. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe if you'd had the same personnel on all of it and everybody was really invested and into it, it could have been really great because of the love and collaboration that would have existed throughout it. But right. really what you have is this one guy that's like, okay, uh, I spent six months in a fucking cabin in the woods, and here you guys go. This is the new <laughs> shit. 
And they're like, well, yeah, but isn't this basically the old shit, just with, like, in different order? Shut the fuck up. No, it's even better. Don't talk to me, Richard Christie. I don't give a shit what you say. Abigail, this is not. I'm just making this up. I don't know if any of these interactions happen. But the thing is, is that, like, you've got to let it go at this point, man. Like, you've got a good record hiding in Plagues of Babylon. But it's the part of the record that, like, isn't the something wicked concept. You need to let go of that shit. Yeah, if there's I can even just, two covers in this album, too. Yeah, like, it's just... Right, well, that's padding. But, I mean, like, John Schaefer, if I can talk to you directly, I just want you to know, man, that I really appreciate what you do. I do, for the most part. I don't have any, you know, real issues. You gave me burnt offerings, man, and I appreciate that. Thank you. But you got to let this shit go, dude. Like, you're writing fan fiction here and selling it like a blockbuster. <laughs> and that's not what that's not how the rest of us are perceiving it. Hey, that's how 50 shades of gray works. Well, and I, but no, I mean I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that you've got good friends. You know, you you're the fucking guitar player from Iced Earth, the guy that's behind everything. Nobody's going to question you. You're like the George Lucas of power metal, right? He's not. He's more like the U bowl, you know. U bowl. U bowl of Uve power oh. metal and like it's not that he doesn't have a good idea every now and again. It's just that sometimes you need a support system that's going to be honest with you about what's a good idea and what's not a good idea. And like I said, man, you just you need to you need to get you need to let it go. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm not going to go into some big thing about how you wronged me and how I'm going to forgive you and be friends or whatever. I don't think that's necessary. I just want to give some very clear, unbiased advice and just say, look, dude, you need to drop it real quick because. I like Iced Earth, and I want to tell everybody that they're a great band, but it's getting kind of hard, getting kind of difficult over here on my side. Well, guess what? In 2017, he took your advice. He did. Incorruptible. <laughs> For 20, it's taken 20 fucking years, but he finally has figured out, hey, maybe not everybody else is into this as much as I am. <laughs> you guys did it. You somehow released an album that was up its own ass, but it wasn't about some shit that we didn't care about. Incorruptible is a fun record. It deals with a lot of fun concepts like religion and corruption and all that good shit that you get out of a good story. Not a concept record to my knowledge. No, it's not a concept record, but there is something that makes me worry about the uh, next record. Okay, well, we'll get to that in a minute. I like this record. I think Stu sounds good. I think the band sounds heavy. They got that nice 2017 production. <laughs> and uh, I don't really have a lot to say about it in that, like, obviously I love it more than Plagues of Babylon, but that isn't saying much in that, like, I find this record to be highly serviceable and a huge step in the right direction. I don't necessarily know if it's definitive Ice Earth, though. I think it's just kind of like, okay, we, we did good, then we fucked up, then we did good again. But it, that's kind of like saying Mag Death Magnetic is a way better than record than St. Anger. This band has a lot of issues as far as just kind of rehashing the same shit over and over again. And I take issue to that when I have to listen to all of it in one week. Yeah, that's the... And that's actually the biggest takeaway I had when listening to uh, this discography. I've always listened to them, you know, 
an album here, an album there, because I've you know I've listened to them for a long time. Listening to it back to back in an entire week is a daunting task. Yeah, but, and we actually took two weeks. Yeah, on this one. Yes, we did. Because I knew we were going to need the extra time, and it just really. I don't know, man. Like, I just didn't connect with me that well. I think it's good. I think it sounds heavy. I don't have a problem with it, but, like, I'm so done with Iced Earth at this point. Right. And, you know, with a good band, I don't feel like I should feel that way. You know, because some bands we talk about, I finish the discography and I'm clamoring for more. And with Iced Earth, I just kind of feel like, you know, maybe it's it's not going to get there. Yeah. They still haven't put out that album. Well, no, they put out that album when it comes for me. Burn Offerings, but that was fucking 20 years ago, man. Well, no, there's three albums for me that I, I okay. will still listen to regularly. But the, we were talking about, you know, what does the future hold for them? And I wanted to go back to there's one thing that makes me worry. Song number six is called The Relic Part One. So I'm just waiting. I'm like, is the next album going to be nothing but the fucking relic the if whole fucking this time. shit somehow connects back to something wicked i'm not saying that i'm just saying that it's going to be like the next version of something wicked is going to be the relic if this shit connects in any way to something wicked i'm a grown-ass man and i'm going to get over it and i'm just not going to buy the record you're just out but I'm just, but I'm out. I'm like, guys, you, you tried, you tried really hard for years, and I appreciate you, but just hang it up, man. We're done. I'm a big concept album guy. I think that's been pretty well established. But this particular uh, concept that they they've run for two decades, it you know just didn't get me. Couldn't hook me. I want to meet the guy that it did hook, because I don't get it. I want to know. Who bought into this? Do people go to Iced Earth shows and find out they're going to play all of something wicked and they get excited like, <gasps> like, you know, Rush just started playing Tom Sawyer? Like, I think are they going to play 2112 in its entirety? Like, you know, I want to meet that guy because I haven't met that guy yet. I think they're like Dream Theater fans. I think everything the band puts out is fucking great, to, in their opinion. And uh, like this again, this is a hard episode for us because again, our our goal is not to be negative. But like some of these bands, like because I mean, I honestly had a much better opinion of Iced Earth prior to doing this episode than I did whenever I listened to it. Because when you lay it all out together and you measure it all at one time, it you, it you start short. you start noticing things like wow, they really didn't progress in three years. You know, and it's not that anybody in Iced Earth is a bad player or a bad singer or any of that stuff. But it's just you've got a bunch of musicians together that want to be in a band and they want to do this cool stuff, but they're they don't click like a great band will click. You know, a great band has a perfect combination of people in it, and that's why that's why we're we're, we're so into death because. They had almost a different different lineup on every record, but still somehow captured that magic every time. Yeah, that's and that's highly unusual. Right. Whereas, like, with a band like Iced Earth, it's like they tried and tried and tried and tried. But at the end of the day, it's still one guy that writes all of it. And if he's not willing to change, then nobody else is going to change either. It's frustrating. It's, it's almost like it's the revolving door of, of people that are playing on these albums because of you know john just not playing nice with others 
and whenever somebody else has got an opinion, he's just like, "Fuck you! I don't want to hear it." You know, is is kind of like somebody else, you know? Yeah, is is Stu a yes man, and that's the reason why he stuck around and why he's getting writing credits? You know, I I don't know any of this. Or I mean, they have I, the same vision, you know? Yeah, they're the same vision. You know, it's just. But I will say, I think those questions. two did click. Like when I'm talking about that magic that people want, you know, the last three Ice Earth records I think are Adequate. amazingly consistent. And they really haven't been a consistent band throughout their career. Right. And um, I think that is uh, that that is <clears throat> testament to um, to where the band could go. It's just that you have a band as old as Iced Earth, and it's kind of like, is the album that they're going to put out in 2019 going to be the thing that makes them a great band? I don't think it is. Because they've had all this time. And I'm not saying their discography is total shit. It's enjoyable if you're into this kind of music. But there are other bands out there that are doing what Iced Earth is doing much better than Iced Earth is doing it. That's my final thought, by the way. I don't want to do a separate segment on it. Jeff, what about you? The uh, kind of follow up on that, you know, there's three fantastic albums they have. The problem is, is that it's the quote unquote diamond in the rough. You got to go through a lot of their, you know, because they have 11, 11 full length albums. You know, going through all that mess to find the three fantastic albums, most people aren't going to put forth that effort. Once you start putting a couple of bad albums out in a row, or even just one bad album, people are out. And, uh, you know, I, I've stuck around with them mainly because um, of those three albums. The rest of the stuff, I could just take it or leave it. It's, it's kind of frustrating because you want it to be good, and I'm sure John wants it to be good as well, but John just needs to be able to have a, a wider vision instead of getting... Because he's got tunnel vision on certain things. Yeah, I don't think really dude wakes up in the morning and is like, I'm going to make a shit album today. No, but it becomes a shit album because he's he's got the blinders on, and he's not looking at anything else, and that's the frustrating thing for me. It could be they could be so much more. They should have been so much more over you know the the past three or four decades, and they haven't. What about you, Joe? I think about Iced Earth the same way I think about Sabotage. I mentioned it earlier. There's something about them that doesn't sound as good as the other bands in the room, and I feel like somebody is listening to this and thinking it's the best fucking thing ever. But I can't think of who that person is. I know who Sabotage is. No one has ever said, dude, you gotta listen to Sabotage. But there's a shit ton of people that have said, you need to listen to TSO. I don't know who this is for. Because like you said, there are other bands that do this not even way better but better for me iced earth might be a hidden gem but definitely not all of it it might be the band to pull out when you've listened to everything else there is to hear in power metal on a binge in the middle of the summertime we don't have any power metal left to listen to hang on break the glass put on this copy of something wicked or the burnt offering and that's my final thought jeff what's your album of the week 
Phenotype by Textures. Please check it out. Dan, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Unteachers, a human comedy. Listened to that a lot this week. I did too. Fantastic album. My Ticket Home, Strangers Only. That's a good one. I'm having a fucking week. (laughs) Very good. And on that note, this has been episode 73 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money. One dollar gets you into that exclusive album review feed along with other available perks. In 2017, Decibel Geek brought us Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville, Tennessee. This summer, they're doing it again. Rock and Pod Expo 2 on August 25th. Tell us about it, Dan. We couldn't be more thrilled to be appearing at Rock and Pod this year. In an effort to help support this amazing event, we are throwing in some perks for you guys to help raise the funds necessary to make this event happen. A $35 donation on behalf of Discography Discussion to the Rock and Pod Expo gets you a limited edition Discography Discussion hand painted beer glass and the option to choose what band we talk about in an upcoming episode of the podcast. This also includes your admission to the expo, access to an exclusive podcast made only for contributors to the event and we can't wait to meet some of you guys there in person we'll be hanging out chatting all day keep in mind on these perks there are only three of them available so act fast and we hope to see you there